Welcome to Boiling Point, the podcast to motivate ever-evolving entrepreneurs and forward-thinking movement pioneers. Our hosts, filmmaker Greg Hemmings and executive coach Dave Vale, are turning up the heat in the world's business communities. Our interviews with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers are raising the temperature of inspiration. Live from the hottest studio in this quadrant of the universe, here are Dave and Greg. Dave Vale, it is a hot, hot, hot day out here today. Uh, the boiling point is uh, boiling inside and outside. Uh, how's your air conditioning right now? Um, we don't, I don't have any air conditioning on. It's You're actually got- facing west right now, so you, you probably don't have beaming sunshine into your window. No, yeah, I'm, we're yeah, definitely, definitely face different. We got you know, but we have warm weather. It's great. It is um, probably almost as nice as it is in Seattle right now. We'll have to find out from our guest in a few moments. But um, but but New Brunswick, we're doing okay. Coast to coast, the boiling point style. So today, Dave, we have my newish friend, uh, Kelly Hostetler, and I'm laughing because I just asked her how to pronounce her last name, and I think I screwed it up already. Hostetler. Is that right, Kelly? I am so sorry. That's incredibly embarrassing. Anyhow, that being said, um, Dave, I met Kelly in Seattle, well, I, I, it's probably, well, it was less than a year ago, I think. I was there um, speaking at the Nordic uh, Museum, American Nordic Museum or something at a conference, and uh, had a chance to pop down and meet Kelly and her team at Loom. And this is our opportunity to understand what, uh, how big data and uh, big transportation all connects together in, uh, in ways for, to, to help large organizations be more efficient in getting their employees to work and also uh, creating a greener future. So, Kelly, welcome to the Boiling Point. And I, I hope I gave the setup appropriately there, but uh, I've been an admirer of your company, Loom, uh, for quite some time. And uh, we're here and excited to hear from you what, what Loom is all about and what you guys are doing right now. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. This is the first time I've been on a podcast. So, you know, just give me some symbols if I'm doing anything wrong over Zoom. Just give me the... You know what? You, this is an honor that The Boiling Point can be your, 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 your introduction into many podcasts for the future, Kelly. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I'm, I'm excited to be here right now because I think, as you pointed out, it's such a timely moment for, for commuting, especially, you know, at Loom, we're, we're a software company. We build enterprise software for employers to help them manage their commute programs. And turns out that's very complicated because of technology these days. There are so many options. And I think about it actually a lot because I pick up my phone on the weekends to, you know, to to go see my friends. Well, I used to, you know, pre-COVID. And I have so many options. I can take a bike share. I can take a Lyft or an Uber. I can check the bus and the transit. And when is that coming? And that's really what employees have come to expect as well in their daily commute. So that's, that's one of the you know, reasons why, why Loom even exists, because there are so many options and technology for people to get to work. And we want employees to be able to use those technologies that they know and love and not drive alone in their cars, because we know that causes a lot of congestion that's unhealthy for them. Um, and it's unhealthy for the world. So, so that's really Loom's mission. And, you know, where we began was just on this pillar of we want to do good in the world. We want 
a more sustainable world and a better commute experience for individuals. This is it's really cool and and, and understanding your customer base. Um, like you 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 work with some large large clients. Like you know, putting into practice, how, what's that look like to a, a large multinational software company who hired or who, who engages with Loom on the management side, for example? Like, like what, what is that, uh, what's that hook that gets them excited? Yeah, that's an excellent question. And I think it's different for every employer. But I think for some of our largest tech companies that you have heard of, uh, based in Seattle and all over the world now, um, they, they're really looking um, for a couple of things. One, provide a true benefit to their employees. We all know that tech companies, hospitals, they're really competing for talent. You know, they, they want the best people. And then the second thing is they're like, holy cow, we are huge. How do we streamline these benefits? You know, we, we want to be able to offer, for example, um, a flex commuter subsidy and but we don't even have the technology to do that um and 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 we don't have and we want to give the employees flexibility and so that's where loom comes in because we integrate with all sorts of third-party apps carpooling you know bike share bike tracking um and then we can help distribute that subsidy so it's a lot of both like offering a benefit and then being more efficient with their administration so that they can actually see an ROI. They can understand here's what we're spending on our commute program, but here's what we're getting in return, or here's how much a commute costs my employees each day or me if I'm providing you these benefits. So it's kind of threefold there, I, I would say. You know, um, Kelly, like I'm, as I'm listening to you, I'm, I got to admit, I've ne- it never occurred to me that this would be um, a big need. It makes so much sense. And I'm, I'm almost embarrassed to admit that. Like, like i and I, I like live north of you in Vancouver, uh, British Columbia, and man, like the not good infrastructure in terms of getting around. You know, long, long commutes to just go ten kilometers sometimes. Um, you wanted to live close to where you were employed, you know, because I. But but you know, the reality is it's probably impossible in terms of the cost to you know to to be able to actually stay in some of these places. So, um, is a and I you know and and it occurred to me that that's a really good point around retention, you know, and attraction um, and, and what a big part it could be. So was this, was when you guys started looking at this and building um, your service, um, was it, was it an immediate adoption or like, did people see the benefit? Did it take a while? Like how did, how did that unfold? No. Yeah. So you are not alone, Dave, in not realizing how much commute impacts employers everywhere and their employees so I would say generally people are still just catching up and, and this time in the world with, with COVID is actually heightening that, that understanding of how important the commute is. And we'll come back to that. Um, but, but really how we got started, and I, I say this a lot, it was so imperative for Loom to be founded in Seattle because Seattle is ahead and Washington is sort of ahead of the game in commute trip reduction, it's called. We have a state law and we have Hmm. city regulations that actually say to employers, you can't get development permits unless you meet this drive alone rate, unless you actively reduce and show us year over year that you're you're chipping away at congestion. That's amazing. Um, It's amazing. Cool. And it's it's been since 1991. And so it's really, you know, if nothing else, what it's really done is it's created this culture 
where employers understand that the commute is part of their responsibility. It, because if they weren't in operation bringing hundreds and sometimes thousands of people, the, you know, the greenhouse gas emissions alone to one day of getting people to work is huge. So is there any other state outside Washington that's that evolved in this? Like early 90s, that's, that's very proactive. <laughs> you know? There are other cities that have similar regulations um, that are, and, and, but it's usually at the city level, not necessarily at the state level. Um, the Bay Area has a lot. There's a bunch of cities that have oh. different forms of this or pre-tax regulations, which don't have as many teeth as this, but at least they're saying to employers, you need to offer employees pre-tax elections for transit and parking. And we'll just add, like to add to that, like it makes, again, makes perfect sense that employers should bear some of the costs if they're loading up the infrastructure, right? And, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, and the, I guess the really kind of... Um, maybe archaic way of looking was, well, throw up tools, you know, that'll, that'll stop people from, you know, but it doesn't, you know, we don't, we know that. Um, so, so you get, so it's been, so you, you know, being in Seattle was helpful as you get out of Seattle, like, is this, how, how, like, what's the reach in terms of customers for you? Is it, um, I'm assuming it's probably all over the world. It could be, I mean, why wouldn't it be? Yeah. Yeah. So Seattle is a great place to get started and sort of prove the concept, build our tool early on. And now, yeah, we're all over North America. We also just signed a big hospital in Canada over there in Toronto. So, you know, you're neck of the woods, sort of. Um, not, not you in Vancouver. Um, and yeah, and we have a few places, you know, internationally, but mostly Canada and the U.S. But it's everywhere. And it's in cities like Detroit, of all places, you know, the Motor City USA. And they're, they're, they're bedrock Detroit. We have some great case studies with them. And they've spoken on panels they are doing an incredible job mm-hmm. in a city that culture is so car oriented to, to change that and to, and to roll out commute policies. Um, and yeah, the, the neat thing about Detroit, I was there a couple of times in the last year and a half. And uh, um, number one, the thing I noticed, first of all, was the ease of that tram. Like they've got this tram, so, uh, you know, that, that goes around very, very, and it, it's, oh my gosh, it was, I, I don't know if it was free to get on or next to nothing to get on. So they believe in public transport or transit. And I also was expecting a far more dire uh, inner city core, but it was not the case. Now the parameter, you know, the slightly outskirts of Detroit, very run down, a lot of burnt out buildings, but there's a scene in, uh, uh, you know, downtown uh, Detroit that is just feverishly working to make that rebuild that city after the disruption of that, complete economic downfall and look what they're doing they're making the right decisions to even though there's not a ton of traffic in there right now because they're a city that's rebuilding but they're they're future proofing and I, I think when we look at covid how cool is this that we can actually start seeing maybe this sort of new innovation on a, on a global global scale because we've had we now have an excuse to think about this way the kind of way detroit has that's that's really cool yeah and in future proofing you really said it there because what uh, what is ultimately happening is that they they took a look at how much parking demand is going to go up for their company, and they realized like, wow, we really need to do something about this because we're not building new parking garages because they see a future that doesn't have parking garages or not as many because there's autonomous vehicles or shared vehicles, um, and so it, it's really neat to see that ROI and just the calculation of like, sure, we could build more parking 
or we could build a commute program, which is actually much less expense and a far better outcome for everybody. And What's, Kelly, uh, oh, oh, go ahead, Dave. Sorry. No, I know. I just was thinking about, so like, as you start to, and you know, of course it's the, the big topic of conversation now with COVID. Um, and you probably know where I'm going with this. I mean, I'm thinking about the remote worker and how does that fit in? Um, because, you know, really the, the, I mean, probably the ideal way is you, you have a stronger remote workforce with a, a good, um, you know, ride program, or I'm sorry, I'm fast. I'm, I'm not saying that the right way. Um, what do you call it in terms of the programs? Commute program. Commute programs. Sorry, I apologize. Um, but yeah, wouldn't, so are you guys considering that? Is that the? Oh, definitely. Yeah. And I'm so glad that you took us here. Um, COVID has proved a really interesting time. And at first, you know, everyone's mandatory work from home. And I think at first people are like, great, like commute doesn't matter. See, we're all from home and, and it just left their minds. But then fast forward just a few weeks and we start to talk about the return to the office and we start to talk about how do we make our workplaces safe? You know, make sure your desks are far away. We clean the bathrooms. We, we do all these things to make our workplaces safe. And then it finally dawns on people, wait, people have to get here. If they catch something when they get here, all this doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, how are we helping employees get here safely? So that's one of the biggest things. But then the other piece, which you mentioned on telework, is what I am so excited about telework. And it's because what it does is a lot of companies are now saying either you can do it full time or you can do it part time. What that means, if you have a part time telework policy, you have to offer this daily flexibility, which is what we've always pushed for people to do because we know that's what employees want and they'll be happy. And then we know science-wise, that's what actually changes behaviors is when the commute is a daily choice. And so one very specific mm. example of this for, for COVID, and I'll omit the employer's name um, for now, but they but one employer immediately when they said mandatory work from home, employees said, well, why am I paying for a monthly parking? And now that they want to have um, flexible teleworking in the future, they recognize, oh, we need to do daily parking so that employees only pay for the days that they park. And that's great for the employees. And okay. we're just so excited because we know that's what actually changes behavior. Mm-hmm. You, you know, and also, you say, yeah, I, go ahead. Well, on that, Kelly, um, it, would there be parking lot inventory as well? Uh, for example, there might be a day where, oh my gosh, you know, a hundred people are coming to work today, but just because we know by the app and, you know, we only have three parking lots left. Is that, is that kind of a little bit of the benefit that we're, that we're going to totally. see? That's some of the um, features we have. One is just parking availability so they can check in their mobile app before they leave home and to make sure there's a space. And we also have a bunch of employers who use parking reservations. And I think that's going to be even more imperative now because if you're only coming on certain days of the week and you want to drive because you may not feel safe yet in, in your other mode, um, they, can, they can go in, reserve a space. They know it's there. It's waiting for them. They've paid for it through payroll, through the app. All good, you know. Fantastic. It's a... Uh, um... It, it, it's interesting because last time you, you and I spoke, you mentioned that uh, as a, and, uh, but it's very clear now to me uh, because you don't know when you need to come into work, you know, and the question I was going to ask earlier is what is, what's the incentive on the employee side besides doing the right thing? 
Is is there gamification in this, like uh, and scoring and points and bonuses and all this sort of thing? Yeah, there's a whole swath of it. Um, everything from just gamification, where you're getting badges, you're getting rewards, you're competing with colleagues. So you know, I could be like, "Hey, Dave and Greg, you know, I'm beating you. I've biked more this month than you have." Um, so there's everything from that, which is just built into the app and um, there for everybody. And then it goes to like layers of policy that different employers have, be it parking charges or actually a lot of employers are offering a daily bonus. And actually Loom, sorry, I'm excited. We just got announced yesterday that Loom is practicing what we preach and we are starting a daily commute bonus, um, $4 every day that you, that you don't drive alone uh, to work. You, you get that added either to your paycheck directly through the Loom app, obviously, or we can donate it to a charity. And right now we're in the process of picking charities that Loom uh, wants to donate to. And we're picking a anti-racism charity, a sustainability charity, and a local Seattle charity to have as the options. Um, it's really kind of standing, living into our values. Um, but that's what a lot of employers are doing as well is, is they're saying, okay, I'll actually pay you <laughs> for days you don't drive alone, but I'll charge you for parking on the days you do drive, uh, kind of balancing that out. Brilliant. And I mean, it's interesting. It would be interesting to see or what you're probably observing, but how human behavior starts shifting and changing, you know, like the, the because I've often thought, and, we're, and I'm guilty of this, by the way, you know, you got your car because you got to do some errands after or whatever. And, you know, or you want to talk to someone, a client on the way in and, you know, you want privacy or whatever, whatever your excuse is for driving alone, if, you know, in fact, you need to drive. And then, but there's thousands upon thousands of people doing that. So, you know, it must be interesting to see that behavior start to shift and change. Totally. And what I always say is it's not about never driving. It's about driving less because we all have to drive sometimes. Um, but it really comes down to that collective impact. If, if I choose to only drive three days a week when I used to drive five and everybody else does the same collectively, that's a huge impact at our organization level and at, you know, the city level. Um, and, and we can see, and, and to your other point on, you know, we can, we've seen the change in our, in our data and at specific employers and just more broadly that as soon as you start to charge for parking at a daily rate and you start a bonus, I mean, that's the most impactful is having both of those, the carrot and the stick. Um, mm-hmm. You just see that the, 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 the uh, drive alone rate drop by 30, 40%, like, you know, a, a ton. Um, and so it's, it's, it's simple. It's also not simple, I guess, you know, but, uh, but we, we've just seen it over and over again that th- this can really make a difference. Um, and it's not because people never drive, they just drive less. Mm. Um, this is just uh, me not playing devil's advocate, but trying to uh, imagine me uh, as a user. Um, is it kind of going by uh, trust and faith that uh, people are going to log it, uh, and that's number one. And number two, what is going to remind them? You know, like uh, I could see myself coming to work driving alone, right, and uh, saying, "Oh shoot, I guess I'm not going to score well today." But then getting up to the office, saying hi to people, and forgetting to log it. Like, uh, is there ways yeah. to prompt? Um, and yeah. So the driving is all integrated, um, so that we can ground truth that. So, so we have some very very inexpensive solutions or 
if people have gated garages, we integrate directly with this garage. So you swipe your badge to get in, and not only do we charge you for parking, but we also log that trip as, you know, to say Greg drove today. And you can't delete that because we know it's true. Now your question still stands for everybody who doesn't drive or take a company shuttle, which we also would integrate with, um, or uh, if you took a carpool app, again, same thing. If you took a Waze carpool or a Scoop carpool, we can integrate and grab that data automatically. Um, so, but if you didn't do any of those, let's say you, you walked um, or you biked, yes, you would have to log that trip. Um, well, even bikers, actually, they do, we do have these now, these chips, these RFID chips you can put on your bike. And as soon as you cycle into the office, it counts it for you. Um, so there is a lot of automation to it. But yes, there is still people need a reminder and, and you can sign up, you can enable reminders on your phone. And that's what I do. How, how old is Loom? And the other um, question I have is like, are there, are there many competitors? And, uh, you know, again, speaking to my ignorance earlier about, I need to think of this as a thing. It makes so much sense now. It's, um, but I, 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 having not heard about it, I'm just curious about that kind of the competitive uh, landscape um, and just when you guys got, when you launched. Yeah. So we launched about, I think seven and a half years ago. And when we launched, we were, though, we were totally different. We were, we were a social platform for good. So we were using behavior change theory and gamification to get people to donate blood, to donate food. It was like, how can we create at an employer level, uh, you know, this impact? And then it turns out that what stuck was bike to work month. And they said, we love this. All these employers, mm -hmm. said, we love it. But you know what? We need it all year and we need it for every mode, not just for biking. So that's kind of how we got started. So, so seven and a half years is like, I would say maybe we've been doing what we've been doing for five and a half. Okay. Um, and yeah, there are, there are some competitors, I would say, and I'm sorry if you can hear the sirens. Uh, <laughs> there are some competitors that, that do different pieces of what we do. Like, for example, we have a pre-tax commuter benefits card. And there are a lot of HR tech companies who tag that on to their FSAs. You know, oh, check this box too, and you can have that. Um, and, and there are other companies who do like gamification rewards uh, and all that kind of carpool matching really well. And then there are all the companies that do sort of like, you know, carpool on demand and all the different mobility apps. And we really see ourselves, you know, bringing all those together to say mm -hmm. like, actually these should all live in the same ecosystem because they're all related to commute. This way you can pass subsidies and manage them um, as an employer and you can truly truly be a policy driven platform. Um, whereas I don't think any of the other ones are truly commute policy driven. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's really, uh, that, that, that clarifies a lot. And I think the reason um, we haven't heard this as a household brand yet is because the main customer are enterprise, right? So like uh, um, all of those employees no loom because they've got it on their phones. Um, but I'm really excited to see this become uh, accessible to small businesses, even like ours, you know, and, uh, and maybe that's a good next question is what, what sort of barriers of entry are there for smaller firms that want to do good and, uh, you know, might only have 20 employees? Yeah, so that's a great question. And one where we're, you know, looking into more and more we, we do what we do now with smaller employers is uh, because you really need 
mass for like carpool matching and things like that. So what we're starting to do is, is and work with, and actually there's a great article on Napa Valley. So we work with them and all these wineries who all opted in together to be in this one sort of commute okay. portal, web mm-hmm. and the Loom app, because they're like, okay, individually 20 people, 50 people even here, we don't necessarily, we're not gonna find carpool matches or form van pools. Um, so, so we're seeing small employers in office parks or in winery heaven uh, coming together and actually saying, okay, we'll do it together. So now we have a thousand, 2000 people uh, who, who can all access. That's, that's awesome. I just thought of um, our uptown in St. John. That's our, that's our business core. Of course, we've got a, a business improvement. Uh, it's called the business improvement uh, association um, and uptown St. John where I don't know how many employees are working uptown St. John, but it'd be a number of thousand, right, Dave, would you say? Probably. I would think, yeah. Thousand, three, 4,000 people living in this very small blockage. Um, it'd be really kind of neat to have a, a small city's uptown core be the, uh, so you can compete against your, because really our little city, our, the parking's not great. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is more and more construction happening, taking taking away more parking spots, you know, so it's, uh, which, which you know, and what's interesting with that, Greg, is that causes people to not want to drive in and support businesses, not because they don't want to support business, but just finding parking is such a, can be a pain. It's all relative Kelly, um, in uptown St. John compared to, I remember driving like blocks in Vancouver looking for one spot that was, and then I get in and go, Permit only. Ugh, dang, so I have to go somewhere else. Well, for um, me, it was trying to find Loom. Last time I was driving through Seattle, that was uh, difficult. I went to that <laughs> under that, that tunnel like five times before I finally uh, called you. I was like, I think I'm lost. <laughs> but I did find a parking lot or a parking spot right in front of your office. But so that, Seattle, Seattle has got to be one of the coolest cities to come into when you just emerge and all of a sudden you're yeah. like there and you're like, oh my gosh, like it's so, it's such a, uh, I love, I love Seattle. Um, what, uh, you know, when, when you, I guess, as you're educating folks, um, you know, what, what is the strategy to, to share, you know, to have more organizations understand and, and benefit from this and, and get a better sense of this and make this a, 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 more of a, an ongoing conversation than like me learning about for the first time, mm-hmm. at 48 years old. I think one of the best ways is to hear directly from these employers that we work with you know, and to have them talk about their programs, why they do it and the impact it's making, because of course that, that has a lot more weight to it than the sort of the peer, <laughs> peer to peer than me saying, Hey, this matters and here's why. Um, so that's why we, we just had this really big luminary conference. It was virtual, of course, uh, for the first time. And Amazon spoke as our keynote. And then we had a bunch of other, you know, Vanderbilt, Oregon Health Science University, Expedia Group, all sharing about their programs. And, and they're the ones that can do that. And, you know, we don't share that freely otherwise. And so we put them on air. People signed up, you know, over 600 people tuning in. So awesome. And, and, that's the best way I think to, to spread the word about why commute matters is to hear it directly from or, or on the boiling point could be a really good. Yeah. And the boiling point. I'm sorry. Um, And I know we're going to close up here. This is I'm fascinated. I think we could keep talking about this. Um, uh, Greg, have you shared your story with Kelly about just how you guys as a, as a company looked at how much 
you know, your carbon footprint and all the flying you were doing and what you did as a result? Yeah. Well, it's, it's got everything to do with, with understanding your data, right? So, uh, um, we track all of our greenhouse gas, uh, emissions and, uh, um, but we do it at that first level. Like, you know, every time we get into an airplane, every time we drive, every time we, you know, turn the computers on, that sort of thing. Um, the embedded greenhouse gas impact, we're, we're not there yet. But um, how cool is it that we know that, that data? So we essentially are buying uh, acre, acres and acres of, uh, of forest, some old growth, uh, which there's not much left in our province. And... Um, protecting it forever in this uh, sustainably harvest, uh, sustainable forest management uh, not-for-profit that we love called uh, Community Forest International. And it's really cool because we're, you know, every, every time we, uh, we create pollution, um, we are, you know, paying dearly for it happily by saving forests. So it's, but we wouldn't know that unless we had the data. And that's what you guys are all based on, which is fantastic. Which I should say, yeah, we, that's a big piece of it. And we definitely expose that data to, to everyone collectively. Like, here's how your organization, how much carbon offset you've had this month, but also to the individual. Here's what you've contributed. And then also, here's the calories you've burned in a number of cupcakes, you know, because you bike every day. So we kind of make it, make it fun, um, <laughs> make it tangible, um, and, and report out because that's really what's so important um, to see that impact collectively and at the end. Any chance you could uh, replace the cupcakes for beer? Because I can understand that metric. <laughs> That's actually what my sister, she, she used to be a nurse at a hospital we work with, and she got the mobile app. She saw her biking stats from the three and a half years she'd been there, and it was some, you know, hundreds of thousands of calories. And she's like, think how much beer I can drink. And that's the text I got. <laughs> that's what my brain is. I got, I got to figure that out. But yeah, that's... <laughs> <laughs> and this is just, and this is, I mean, sorry, I have to throw this question. I meant to ask earlier, but I'm assuming you'd also take into account what kind of car someone drives, like if it's a hybrid or electric or. Yeah. So we're getting more and more sophisticated with that. Um, and we right now just use the EPA's like calculations for each of the different modes okay. uh, yeah. and then the distance that they drive. Um, and then I think eventually we want to be able to really take in like engines and you know like like get even more sophisticated with it yeah. but right now uh not not quite there well, I, I, as vehicles continue to uh you know become smart and, and connected into the you know connected with each other um, um that data will probably be sent out from the car anyway naturally into uh the network that's you know so that's really neat yeah that's cool well kelly this has been a, an absolute pleasure again um and i'm looking forward to continued uh, conversations and following this and uh dave i think we should talk to our uh, uptown st john friends and uh, see if we can get a challenge going on here wouldn't that be interesting you know i'm sure someone would be you know that yeah yeah that would be i mean again it's an it's an education right just learning about it but you know and then and at some point i was just thinking as you know, as car emissions go way down, way down, way down, but there is just this, there's this thing we talked about just where you have, um, you know, all the, just the logistics of trying to get to some one place to another and all the cars, you know, it's not even, it's not even, it's, it's even just about making things simple too, right? Like there's that whole component that we haven't really even touched on. Um, Thanks for, uh, thanks for educating me, Kelly. I really appreciate it. And um, I'm looking forward to just seeing what you guys do next. And 
Um, and how do people learn about, you just mentioned, uh, what did you call it? Uh, luminary? Um, yeah. you know, how do, how do people learn about conferences like that and about, about what Loom does and you specifically? Yeah, just on our website, www.loom.com uh, has all that information. You can sign up for newsletters, which is how you would get notifications about conferences. And we post events there as well. And Loom is L-U-U-M. Yep, L-U-U-M. Great. It's like we're one, it's like, we're instinct, I know it's like we have one brain. This is so weird. You know, I was like, <laughs> I was about to say, what about not cupcakes? What about beer? And Greg was like onto it. And I was like, Jeez, oh, you got it. You got me again. <laughs> come on. Come on. Well, can we uh, say hi to everybody there at the office? And, uh, uh, yeah. Well, I, I, I guess virtually say hi uh, to everybody at the <laughs> office. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to continuing to, to hear how you guys are rocking it. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on the show today. It was a pleasure talking with you. Thanks, Thanks, Kelly. Take care. Thanks for checking out this episode of Boiling Point. Remember to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Boiling Point Pod. To see more from Dave Vale, check out leadershipunleashed.ca or visioncoachinginc.com and on Twitter at Dave underscore Vale. And to catch up with Greg, visit Hemmingshouse.com and at Greg Hemmings on Twitter. Thanks for listening, and remember, keep that pot boiling. Hi, this is Candace Sampson, the voice behind What She Said. My show is your destination for stories that not only entertain, but also educate and empower. Every week, I spotlight strong female voices from across Canada, women who are changing the narrative and driving change. Don't miss out on these inspiring episodes. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon Music, or head over to whatshesaidtalk.com. What She Said can also be heard on blasttheradio.com, Mondays at 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. That's blasttheradio.com. It's time to dive into the stories that truly matter.